I want to talk about intimacy. And there are probably many variations, definitions of what intimacy is, and it's probably very subjective. Our first connotation, most likely, when we hear the word intimacy is we think that intimacy is sex. But I'm going to challenge that because I know plenty of situations, people, even personal experiences where you can have sex and it's totally unintimate. So I want to go into what really is intimacy, what does it require, why are we afraid of it, and really actually how important intimacy is because it is part of human connection. And we as social creatures fundamentally need connection. So yeah, let's dive into the meaning of intimacy. This is Corinne Bloom, and you're listening to Raw Conversations. So yeah, it's obvious uh, connection that we make between intimacy and sex, because the act of having sex on a physical level is very intimate, right? But when we really look at, well, what is intimacy? And I want to dive right in. Intimacy to me is all about heart. You cannot have true, true intimacy without having a heart connection. And intimacy is not always sexual, by the way, right? You can have intimacy within um, a group of of friends. Really what intimacy, intimacy is like the last point that I had made in the intro is really about human connection. And true human connection requires us to be intimate first and foremost with ourselves. So if I were to break down intimacy, I would say that it's heart-centered and it requires us to be really honest. Intimacy is so much about honesty, authenticity, openness, And we have to reside in our heart to really be able to embody all of those things. And then intimacy becomes connection through the the sharing of ourselves, the sharing of our true selves. Because if we look at intimacy as something that's just a physical act and it's a physical sexual act, like I said, we can have sex in, in totally unintimate ways. And it's an interesting, you know, movement that's happening right now in the quote-unquote tantric world. Polyamory is being a big thing, has become a big thing. But of the people that I've spoken to, that I know personally, um, I've, you know, read things on the matter, I've listened to podcasts, um, a big question that comes up is, well, can you truly be intimate? Now we're speaking, I am speaking sexually, but can you truly be intimate with many different people and how actually some people that go into that scene, I'm not, I'm not saying that there aren't, that there isn't the ability to be open-hearted and have deep connections, um, with multiple people, but there is a certain wearing yourself thin potentially. There's also the potential for a lot of natural human behavior to come forward around jealousy, pain, for our inner child, it can be really terrifying. But there's there's also, for some people that are afraid of intimacy, 
to not have to go too deep with one person to but to kind of spread themselves thin across many feel safer. But the question that comes up a lot is, is that true intimacy? And if true intimacy is, can you, are you residing in your own heart and can you reveal your heart to another? And can you relate to that other through your heart? That's deeply vulnerable, right? And so a lot of people have an idea of intimacy, but on the surface of it, rather than dropping into true intimacy, which is deep, vulnerable, honest, authentic connection between yourself and another person. And as I have said so many times, it starts within. It starts from the seed. And I think a beautiful analogy that I can offer of that is that, you know, you, you can't just jump straight to the rose, right? You've got to plant the seed in, it's in the earth. It's in the darkness of the earth. That's where all life begins. It's in the, the darkness of the earth and then it slowly grows and it emerges out into the world. And then it emerges even further as it opens and blossoms. So our experience of getting to know ourselves and really dropping into the deeper aspects of ourselves and opening ourselves up like, like the rose, like the petals of the rose, we have to go inside first. We have to plant that seed, go to the seed within the, 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 you know, the inside of us, which sometimes feels dark and unknown, right? Because it, we can't see it in the external world. And uh, maybe it's a little bit like you have to go in in order to come back out. So you have to, you know, kind of peel back the layers of the onion and, you you know, your, your eyes are going to tear through it. And then you get to the core and you go to what needs to be resolved and healed and evolved. And then you can come back out. But this time as the, as the flower, right, as the blossom, as the rose. So true intimacy requires us to be intimate with ourselves. And... I think the fastest way to be intimate with ourselves is, is to use heart as the catalyst. Now, if I look at the Enneagram, there's different triads and personality types, right? So there's an intellectual center, there's an instinctual center, and there's a heart center. And the beautiful thing about that is it reflects the three centers of intelligence or the three centers of consciousness that we have. Now, we live in a society that likes to deify the mind, but the mind is a tool. It's not the master. And the mind is only one brain. It's only one center of intelligence. The heart is another center of intelligence and brain. And the gut is another center of intelligence or brain. So we have three brains, three centers of intelligence, and we need to look at ourselves holistically where those three centers need to be in alignment and in harmony with themselves. And when they are in harmony, then we can really drop into the deeper, more authentic essence of who we are. And then things like intimacy become so much more profound and so much more meaningful because it's not just a mental construct. It's not abstract. It's not just a concept, but it's a state of being. So it always has to start from the seed that, that is from within, as within, so without. You know, I could throw a bunch of <laughs> quotes and cliches, be the change that you want to see, right? It all starts with us. And the beauty of that is that like, 
you know, we're not just here cultivating intimacy and relationship and connection with others. We're, we're doing that with ourselves and we're getting to know ourselves in the process of that. And that's a really beautiful, cool thing. And, and my belief is just that the more that you understand yourself and the closer you are to yourself and you know how to be present and show up and listen and give yourself what you need, you're just going to be able to have such more meaningful connections with other people. You'll be more generous as well. So, so going back to what is intimacy, I think point one and point four kind of connect to each other because intimacy is ultimately about connection, about human connection. And that's a fundamental need. We, we all might have different desires uh, of, you know, in, in relationship, for example, in romantic relationship, but it is a fundamental need because if you go back to being a baby, a baby needs to feel connected to its parents because that connection gives us a sense of being loved, of belonging, of feeling safe, secure, accepted. So it's a really important, basic, fundamental need that we have. So if we see that intimacy is connection, then we go, okay, well, what does that require? It requires us to live in our heart because, let me take a step back. Our society, as I said, really deifies the mind. Not only does it deify the mind, but it villainizes things like, well, vulnerability is a weakness. Emotions are bad. It's basically telling us that our humanity is a bad thing and that we should be invincible and invulnerable. And, and that's just not true to being human. And so people are longing for connection. They're longing for true intimacy. But because they're being told that all of the things that are required for true connection and intimacy are bad, we're putting barriers up, we're, um, you know, transcending or bypass, whatever. There's all of these different coping mechanisms that actually keep us from really receiving what we want. Now, with that said, the heart to me is the portal. It's the vehicle for creating true connection and intimacy because it has, it's heart to heart. Heart is so powerful. When we are residing in our hearts, it is so incredibly powerful. And we're really at our strongest when we're in an open heart, living in an open heart. However, paradoxically, it's equally incredibly tender. <laughs> you know, it's a very tender part of us. It can be very sensitive. I don't think there's any one of us that hasn't had the experience of falling in love and having a broken heart, you know, and falling in love is so beautiful. It's deeply, can be deeply vulnerable. There's always an element of risk when you fall in love. And, and then the other side of that coin is pain, right? When our heart is broken, it's deeply painful. It's deeply sensitive. It's deeply tender and vulnerable. And that's just like part of this incredible thing that is called the heart and being human. And I think if we're trying to look at relationship and intimacy, like how can I do relationship and intimacy without getting hurt? Yeah, good luck. <laughs> how can we do it without being vulnerable? Well, maybe, maybe you can do it, but I think it's going to be pretty superficial. And maybe for some people that works. 
if they find a partner that equally wants that, that wants that in the same way, where maybe they, their intimacy is more through the mind, or maybe their intimacy is, is more through certain activities, or, you know, I, I'm not here to judge or to say that there's one right way or any absolute, that's impossible for me or anyone to say, because I don't think there's any one size fits all. There are various expressions of intimacy, relationship, connection, but what it is, is that I think we have to then um, be very clear with where we're at within our own relationship to intimacy. And let's say you're someone that it's like, I can't do emotions. I don't do vulnerability. I don't get what, you know, living in heart is or having an open heart is. Then if you're in a relationship with someone that does want that, it's not going to work because you're in two completely different realms. And I can say that from personal experience, and it's really painful. It's really painful when, if you're someone that really wants to have a, a deep heart opening connection where there's, you know, yeah, there's depth, there's transparency, there's vulnerability. If that person can't go there, it's going to be painful for both, right? Because the person that wants that depth of intimacy feels like there's just it's not reaching its potential. And for the other person, it might just be too terrifying. So intimacy for people that have had any kind of trauma in their past, because the the heart is also tender, right? Sometimes it's too painful, the idea of having an open heart. It's too painful, the idea of being deeply intimate with someone. Because if what that person learned as a child is when you love and you're vulnerable and you're met with either rejection or abandonment or shaming or neglect or whatever, that was so painful that they don't want to go back there. And, And the thing is, this is why we do this work, because if we do have some kind of a trauma or a wound, which I think we all have a version of a wound to varying degrees, um, we, we do this work so that we can heal that, you know, and that we can ultimately give ourselves what we, what we really need so that then we can just be in our joy, right? And we don't have to be living from a place of fear. But the thing is, is as children, we have coping mechanisms, And we have to, we have to have coping mechanisms in order to survive in our situation because we're not the adult that can leave. We're not the adult that can speak up and say, no, this is not okay. But the problem is that as we grow into adults, if we haven't done the conscious work to take the unconscious, to shed light onto it and make it conscious, we are still going to be actively playing out these unconscious patterns and these unconscious coping mechanisms. And then the irony is we might be yearning for intimacy. We might be yearning for connection and relationship and true love And yet these unconscious patterns are like, no way that terrifies the shit out of me because I was really hurt as a child. And so that's why we have to shed light and be really kind and gentle and patient with ourselves in the process. But otherwise, you know, this is why I say to a lot of people, the very thing you're wanting, it can also be the very thing that terrifies you. And there's the conflict and people go, well, why, why can't I find the relationship? Why am I still single? And there are many different angles and layers to look at within that. You know, what is the self-belief? What is the behavior? What is the pattern? You know, what are the coping mechanisms? But really a simple question that I can ask is what about love and intimacy scares you? 
In what way does it scare you? And you know what? It's totally okay and normal and natural to be scared. Most especially if you've had any kind of trauma in your childhood. But like I said, you know, love is vulnerable. The heart is vulnerable. But we can be in our vulnerability and find strength and power in that. That vulnerability is not a weakness. That vulnerability is not something that you need to have barriers and barricades and armor in order to protect. That's a false illusion. We think that barriers and armor protect us. They don't. They keep love out of our heart. Not only from others, but actually, most importantly, from ourselves. Intimacy requires that we are in our heart. We have to live in our heart. I'm saying that as an absolute, I get that, um, but I'm going to put that out there at least as my opinion and observation and, and experience. I think it's very hard to truly um, experience true intimacy if you're not residing in your heart. Even if you're intellectually centered, even if you're instinctually centered, there's no right or wrong or better or worse. There's no hierarchy here. But it, as I said in the beginning, we have these three centers and they need to be in alignment. And if we're just in the mind and we're, we're ignoring the heart and the gut, we're fragmenting ourselves. We're not coming from a wholeness perspective. And, and then that's when things can go a little bit wonky and sideways, whenever we're going to be in our wholeness and really in harmony, which doesn't, when I say harmony, it doesn't mean that you're always positive and happy and Zen. And that's not what I mean. I just mean that you're actively engaging with all these centers within yourself. So going back to the point of, so what does it require? It really requires us to be in our heart and it requires us to just be really honest with ourselves this is where the journey of self-discovery and, and really coming to, as I've shared before, that if love can be the container, can it hold it all? Can we go into ourselves? So I know that this, been, this term has been thrown around a lot, but intimacy, you could see it as into me, I see. So in order to be intimate, you have to go in and see yourself. But you need to see all parts of yourself, not just the parts that you think other people will like, or that are, you know, attractive or sexy or smart or intelligent or successful, all parts of you, that you can really go into yourself and, and look at all, every nook and cranny of yourself and go, you know what? I love that part too. I, I accept that part too. And that you can be with and stay with all of these parts and your experiences and you can listen to them. What do these parts of me need? How do I give them what they need? How do I love them more? How do I accept them more? This is true intimacy is really, really like, yeah, just, just be holding everything within you without any kind of judgment, with compassion, with kindness, with respect, you know, and then this can tie into do we feel that we're worthy and we're lovable and, and true intimacy with ourselves can help us to see and answer those questions. Now, why are we afraid of intimacy? Because, yeah, it's deeply vulnerable. And, and love and connection and intimacy is always going to have an element of risk. It will always have an element of risk there. You know, we like to 
go into relationship and dating and, you know, sexual relationships and relationship itself and have an idea of how can I control this so I feel safe or, or our society likes to say, well, you know, if you're married and you have a ring on your finger and if you have kids and if you have a house, then there you are, you're safe, you've got it, you're, you know, things are under control. And that's such an illusion because, you know, infidelity is going through the roof. So the ring on the finger and the kids in the house are just an illusion of safety, an illusion of having things under control, an illusion of, okay, I've made it there. So boom, I'm safe. I'm secure. Everything's going to be okay from this point forward. And the thing is, I was just sharing this with a client, is that the the safety that we're seeking isn't about the ring on the finger and the house and the children. And so that for that in that equates commitment, right? Like we want that commitment for some. I'm not saying this is for everyone. I'm just using this as an example of what society likes to put forward as an idea. Um, that that then then that equals commitment and commitment equals safety. But actually, what we're really seeking is we need to feel firstly safe within ourselves. Secondly, we need to feel like we can trust our partner. How do we build that trust? By having really good communication, by having shared values, by equally wanting to grow, support, and work on the relationship, by being transparent and honest and authentic. It is actively working on your relationship and your connection every single day. And, and this is like the, the quote-unquote success of a good relationship is if you can do this with your partner. It's not going to be like, when I have this, then we will be committed, or then I will feel safe, or then I will feel secure, or then I will feel happy. It's can you actively work on these things with your partner every single day? What is your communication like? How do you resolve conflict? Can you be honest with each other? Do you have an open heart with each other? Can you express when you're scared? Can you express when you're insecure? How do you support each other when you're scared and insecure and triggered? It's an, it's an action. It's not an external thing, right? So the reason why, you know, why are we afraid of intimacy? It's because it's deeply vulnerable, but we associate or attach these external markers to make us feel like we're safer. And then I can be more intimate. It's an inside out job, first and foremost. And then when you have a partner, it's an ongoing conversation and process and journey with that person. So we just got to know that like true intimacy is going to be at times scary. You know, hopefully you get to a place if you have a partner and you're in a committed relationship where you can begin to be so comfortable with each other because that honesty is there, because you know you can share anything, because you can be truly be open-hearted. You can share your thoughts, you can share your desires, you can share your fears, and that you know that it's a safe space for that. So, but to, to think that it's not going to be a part of the process and to think that you're invincible and invulnerable, I would ask yourself then, how am I scared of true intimacy? In what ways am I scared of vulnerability? 
What are the barriers that I have around my heart? And no judgment, zero judgment. If you have barriers around your heart, you can just ask curiously, why? Where did they come from? How did I learn to put them up? And then you work on taking them down and finding an inner sense of safety and strength so that you don't need to have barriers that keep others and most especially yourself out of your heart. So then, you know, to get to the final point of why intimacy is so important, and and it's because human connection is really so important. Again, I go back to the baby that needs to feel connected and, and healthily attached to their mother and father because they're their lifeline, but we're a social species. We need to feel interconnected. And again, intimacy is not just romantic. It's also platonic. But I think it really, it just boils down to, can we have heart-to-heart conversations with people? Can we feel like we're, you know, comfortable sitting in proximity with someone? Are we comfortable within ourselves? Are we comfortable within our own skin? Can you look into someone's eyes when you're speaking to them? Can you allow them to look into your eyes? This is all intimacy. Intimacy is allowing ourselves to be seen for who we truly are without the facades, without the masks, without who we think we should be. So that's why to really get to true intimacy, we have to peel back the layers of the onion. And sometimes it's going to make us cry, (laughs) right? But then the other side of that is you get to really blossom and that's beautiful. And it's okay to be vulnerable and you'll find your strength and your power in your vulnerability. I've certainly had that experience for myself that like when I really embraced my sensitivity, when I really embraced my entire humanity, when I really found the beauty of vulnerability. I'm a personality type. I'm a type of person that I just think vulnerability is deeply beautiful because it really reveals the true person. You know, art requires vulnerability. It's, you know, you can look to nature and there's a kind of vulnerability in it because it just is, it's the isness, right? And so for me personally, it might might not evoke the same feeling for you and that's okay. But for me, it's a deeply beautiful thing. For some, there's still a definition where you think that it's weakness or it's ugly or whatever it might be. So then I would invite you to really look at your definitions of intimacy, of vulnerability, of human connection, of love, and how that relates to all of your various relationships, not just romantic, but with your friends, with your family, but first and foremost, with yourself. How intimate are you with yourself? How true to yourself are you? And what I mean by that is like, how honest are you being? Because we can go, yeah, I I can look at myself, but you know, when I say living in your heart, some people will be like, duh, yeah, that's obvious. Of course I live from my heart. Like, you know, that's, that's whatever. But, but actually, if you really go down and, and look in, you might notice, oh, wow. Yeah. God, this coping mechanism is creating a barrier. You know, that defense is creating a bit of armor. I'm scared here. So I'm blockading my heart a little bit here. You got to be really, really honest with yourself. And if you're someone that's listening, that's like, I don't know what the hell this woman's talking about. How the hell do you reside in your heart? What does that feel like? 
it's just indicative that you're probably not living in your heart and that's totally okay. But then that's a fantastic journey to set foot upon. I did a podcast that was uh, the greatest journey you'll ever take is nine inches from your head to your heart. I've had many clients where they literally cannot feel from the neck down. They're so residing in their head. And again, our Western culture is very much you know, deifies the mind, that the mind is who we are. It's not who we are. It's an amazing tool to understand who we are. It's not who we are. And the reason why it's not who we are is because if you notice, your mind can be a real trickster. It can really trick you into going into certain narratives, into certain beliefs that are simply untrue. So the mind cannot define who you are. It can help you discover who you are. It can help you to bring out who you are, but it's not who you are. And as I've shared in previous um, episodes that I'll use the analogy that you've got to discover the canvas underneath and behind the painting, right? The canvas is your true essence. The painting is the, the experiences that you've had and they'll continue to morph and change and shift and the colors will change, all of that. That's the experiences that you, you throw upon it, which is the, the, you know, the makeup of your life. But we've got to create that space to understand who we are behind everything. So intimacy is a journey of self-revelation, of self-discovery of dropping behind the masks and the facades and the beliefs and the shoulds and what society thinks and all, all of these things to really, who are you? Into me, I see. Who are you? And being so beautifully and tenderly and compassionately honest with yourself. And then why, like why do that? You don't have to, but why do that? Because it will make your connections with other people so much more meaningful. And I recommend that you, you know, take care of yourself in this process. I don't mean like, oh, just go and be super intimate with just some stranger or someone that you're only just starting to date and just open your heart and be in your heart. No, we've also got a really like healthy boundaries and are just an act of self-love and self-care. You have to take care. Like the reason, the way that we can feel very empowered and strong in our heart and in our vulnerability is we have to learn how to take care of it. Not defend, not protect. How do I take care of my heart so that I can be courageous? Because this does take a tremendous amount of courage. Love takes courage. Intimacy takes courage. Human connection takes courage. It's all deeply fucking vulnerable, right? So how do I take care of my heart? How do I hold my heart so that my heart can be open and feel safe being open? A closed heart is not being safe. It, it's an illusion of safety, but it's actually deeply painful for us. But if we're going to have an open heart, we need to learn how to hold it so that people don't walk all over it, right? That's not what I mean by open-heartedness. I don't mean that you're, you become a doormat. Everything needs, you know, I could go into the energy of masculine and feminine, which are non-gender based. The masculine provides the structure so that the feminine can open up and receive. And ultimately what intimacy truly is, is can we open ourselves up to receive love, to receive connection? Can we open ourselves up to be seen 
right? And that's deeply vulnerable. <laughs> it's, it really is. Again, we, the thing that we want, oh, I want to be seen. I want to receive love. But then there's all these coping mechanisms that are like, no way, that's terrifying. So actually, it's really deeply vulnerable. But the moment that we can, if you could see me now, it's like I'm in this position where I'm opening up my chest and I'm opening up my, my heart and my arms to be in that space where you're open, your whole heart centers open, your throat chakras open, takes an immense amount of really getting to know yourself so that you can hold your entire human experience with love and acceptance so you feel safe being you. Then you can open and it doesn't feel like a threat. It doesn't feel terrifying because you don't want to try and be intimate and try and be open-hearted and traumatize yourself. If you don't feel ready for that, you need to feel safe within yourself. And that's why I've known people that have been in the kind of polyamory environment that are like, well, free love and, you know, open intimacy. And this is going to make me more, you know, free and more open-hearted and more love. And they, they go in and they re-traumatize themselves. And it's deeply painful and it's deeply scary. Or they go into their avoidant pa- their patterns of avoidance. Well, I can't really be intimate with one person, so I'm going to be with lots of people. But actually, it's because it feels safer because they don't have to really open up. And again, there's no judgment. There's no right or wrong. It's just what is your personal journey and, and to what degree are you wanting to travel down this path? How deep do you want to go? Some people don't want to. Fair enough. That's totally fine. My question always is, or my intention is to support you in in, um, arriving to a place of peace within yourself. Remember, not happiness, but peace. So wherever that layer is, like if you were to, you know, when they show you like the earth, like through a, you know, the glass, so you can kind of see what we normally don't see, whatever layer of soil you want to get to, that's perfectly fine. There is no one size fits all. Some people like to go really fucking deep. Some people are happy being on the surface. There's no better or worse or right or wrong, but it's what brings you peace. Where do you want to get to within yourself? And so then wherever you want to get to within yourself, you've got to ask yourself, what are the barriers that are keeping me from reaching that point. It's like what Rumi said. We don't need to, uh, what does he say? It's such a beautiful quote. It's not about receiving love, but it's about removing the barriers that keep us from receiving that love. So that's the inner work. We all have the capacity. We all have the capacity to connect, to be intimate, to be vulnerable, to experience true deep love in whatever form that wants to, you know, manifest itself as we all have the capacity the question is what are the barriers and how do we lovingly unravel those barriers so that we can find our true inner strength and inner home and inner peace so i'll leave it at that for now as always take it or leave it as feels right and loving you from afar You've been listening to Raw Conversations with Corinne Bloom. Thanks so much for showing up, listening in, and being a part of the conversation with me. 